Welcome to the Lemper Report Live. On today's broadcast, a very special look at customer pain points for 2024 with our guest, Lisa Miller, author of The Business of Joy and her latest consumer survey. The Walmart AI exit strategy, Dollar Store's latest threat to supermarkets, on Food Not Phones, how screen time is hurting our eyesight, and on the bullseye, Kellogg's has what they hope is a new path to the Zillennials, do they? Sally has the day off. Let's get started. Lisa Miller is president of Lisa Miller & Associates, creating motivating insights and driven actions, and she gets to the, right to the heart of so what and now what. She brings over 30 years of consumer insights and innovation experience, collecting over 450,000 consumer interviews. Her insights come from an impressive background as VP of Innovation at Brinker International, serving brands including Chili's and Maggiano's, and VP of Consumer Strategy and Insights at PepsiCo and at Quaker. Today, she'll share her latest 2024 consumer survey findings. Lisa, welcome to the Lemper Report Live. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. So first, I want to talk about joy. And one of the things that obviously, you know, your book talks about, all your interviews talks about, um, has to do the importance of us being joyful. And I found from the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California at Berkeley a comment, and I want to get your reaction to this, uh, that people who commit daily microacts of joy experience about a 25% increase in emotional well-being over the course of a week. Is that true? Oh my gosh, I love that statistic. And Phil, that that just nailed it, right? Is that basically those little moments of joy is what helps us get through the day. And I always say that joy is a choice. It's how we choose to see the world. And yes, um, there was a statistic I read from um, the government just saying that if you have more joy, it reduces the heart you know, your heart disease and all of that. So not only is joy just feel good, it's actually good for our health. So I love that statistic. So joy, everybody needs a to make room for it. Combination of mental health and well-being. Great. So let's talk about your new survey. Um, the first up, you know, I know that a lot of your background is food service, but certainly as supermarkets get more into restaurants as supermarkets are fighting tooth and nail to get some of those food service dollars so that we eat at home, uh, there's a lot that we can learn uh, from your survey. And I guess the first question that you asked had to do with having dinner and moviegoer frustrations. Tell us about that. Well, I will say we are in a share of wallet war for our fund money, for consumers' fund money. And so back in the day, you know, it'd be like, everybody's like, let's go to dinner and a movie. Well, now it's getting kind of expensive. And Very expensive. It's yeah. outrageously expensive. <laughs> and what's interesting when you look at the data that's up on the screen about the movie frustrate, moviegoer frustrations, half of, half of moviegoers basically say prices are up too much. And then you can read down the list with not enough staff, even dirty restrooms. What's fascinating though, Phil, is that since April, May, all of these numbers have gone up a lot. So what happened then? 
Barbie, Oppenheimer, all of these people are coming back to the movies and they're pretty frustrated. So it's not that joyful. And also, it's interesting to me um, in just a firsthand observation, uh, the Palm Springs Film Festival just took place and the attendance was down considerably. And one of the things that I was talking to someone about is why are people not wanting to go to films? And they said, no, the, the world has changed. You can now, you don't have to go to a film festival to see these state-of-the-art films that are not these blockbusters. You can just stream them. So we're, we're really experiencing a whole new way of looking at movies, whether it's through streaming. I mean, it used to be VHS and beta and those big discs. Then it was the small discs, um, <laughs> blockbusters gone and, and all that. But now, touch of a button, we could just stream. Um, so what about the restaurant goers and their frustrations um, when they go, you know, to, to restaurants as that part of the dinner of the movie? Well, definitely. And on the movies, one of the things that movie theaters need to talk about is just this experience, sitting at home, watching it, even if you have the best entertainment center, still not the same as the big screen. Right. So there's opportunity for movies to really market that. When it comes to restaurants, you can see that the pricing frustrations are even higher with 60%, but not surprising what's happening, not enough staff, the wait times are long. Um, and it's just, again, it's just not that joyful. So when you're trying to figure out, like, what do you want to go do, dinner and a movie, people are picking one or the other. Because don't forget, for a lot of households with young kids, you've got babysitting on top of that. And so people are just having to make tough choices and they want to have fun. Consumers, half of Americans are craving, I mean, literally, Phil, they're craving social connections with people to get out with their family and friends. It's just expensive. Very expensive. And, and if you take a look at, you know, the prices that continue to go up for food uh, because of whether it's climate change or supply chain issues and the like, um, you know, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine uh, a week or so ago and was complaining about how they used to go to a diner, if you would, um, and they could get, you know, scrambled eggs for breakfast and toast and so on. And it was affordable. And now he was telling me that it's like 20 bucks for scrambled eggs and potatoes and toast and coffee. And that's just absurd. But if we if sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say one story I just had to chime in is speaking of that same thing. I went to breakfast with a friend, two oatmeals, a coffee and a tea plus tip at a full service restaurant, $41 for two oatmeals in Dallas. Unbelievable. Guess what? That was not worth it. <laughs> yeah. So so it goes back to your Quaker days and, uh, you know, having like a little cup of oatmeal that you could bring with you and add you know, some, some water too. Let's pull back away from movies, away from restaurants and talk about retail in general, not just grocery retail, but what are people feeling? What frustrations, what are their pain points um, when they're going shopping for just about anything these days? Well, I bet everybody out there can guess what's the number one on the list, which is prices have gone up too much. Now, this one is actually impacted also because of the holidays. And so we saw November and December increases in frustrations and not enough staff and pricing and still 
you know, dirty restrooms and things like that, but it is impacted by the, by the holidays. What I would say is that those retail outlets that really can focus on the customer experience and a joyful experience, training the employees. I always tell people the next best dollar spent is on your employees. I know the marketing people might get mad at me, but the training if in the retail space, restaurant space, movies, train your people because that is going to be the differentiator moving forward. Well, if we look at certain retailers like Wegmans, um, Danny and Colleen, you know, put their money where their mouth is. They do great training. They have very loyal employees, which then translates to a great customer experience to, to your point. So I think that that's really, you know, something that we can never forget in retail, that it's not just about price, uh, but that whole holistic experience, if you would. Um, and it starts with, with the employees. When you look at your crystal ball, and you look at some of the pain point and frustrations um, over the next six months. And certainly we're in a very stressful time with wars going on, with elections going on and so on. Um, what, what do you see happening? Is it still going to all be about prices or are there going to be some other pain points that we've got to recognize? Well, I think the the key to 2024 is going to be recognizing the value equation it's the simple thing, what you get for what you pay, but now you're paying with your time and your money. Is it worth my time? Is it worth my money? And so what's happening is that we've, we've raised the prices. So like the denominator of that equation is we're upside down on the value equations in most business verticals, whether it's grocery, uh, restaurants, movies, retail, the value equation's upside down. So in 2024, what can you do to add value to the, what you're giving. So if you have to take a price increase, what can you give back in the experience? And that's where training, really focusing on your people can provide that little extra. I will say two other points. One is for the grocery people, now is a, a unique moment in time where delivery is kind of in a crazy place, restaurant delivery. And so for grocery stores, if they can think about that you know, when people are coming in shopping, how can you entice them to get to the food service part of it? Because right now, people are really tapping out of delivery and it could be a unique share of wallet opportunity for the grocery store. And then the last thing that I would say when I ask people about their New Year's resolutions, basically people are talking about wanting to prioritize and connect in person. They want to find joy. And it all kind of loops back, Phil, with where you started with your quote. It's investing in little moments in joy. And, and retailers, grocery stores, restaurants, movies, if they can invest a little bit of joy for their employees, it'll transcend to their customers. Well, Lisa, that, that's a great uh, forecast, if you would, for, uh, for our audience, for retailers, for restaurateurs to be able to put at the top of their list, you know, adding a little joy to their customers. And I think it'll come back. Um, with new business and new profits. So Lisa, thanks so much for joining us today on Leper Report Live. Thank you so much, Phil. Have a good one. You too. So let's talk about a story that we've been talking about a lot over the past few weeks. It's about self-checkout. Um, Walmart, 
um, where we've seen all these stories about self-checkout. Well, a new announcement just came out uh, from Walmart as it relates to Sam's Club. And what they've said is they're going to stop checking receipts at Sam's Club. Now, if you know, if you've got to Costco or Sam's Club, there's always somebody at the door checking your receipt to make sure that, you know, you're not stealing anything. We've had that experience with a lot of self-checkout um, as that's expanded, as the shrink has increased on that. But what they're doing, very interesting, um, is that they're using AI. Um, it's, it's a tradition that they're going to start that I think is going to translate to supermarkets and drug trains very quickly. Um, so basically what they're doing is they're going to have this AI device um, that checks what's in your shopping cart as you leave against your register receipt. And that way, um, you know, you don't have to be confronted by somebody. What's interesting about this technology, and this is a quote from Sam's Club, um, they will have no problem scanning a queen-size bed, an entire winter wardrobe, or a cart full of breakfast cereal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works, if it does work, and certainly as it relates to drug chains as well as supermarkets. Dollar stores have been expanding um, terrifically. We know that. Um, but there's been some downside um, if we look at dollar stores. And I'm not talking about the customer experience, but the retail experience. Um, there's a new study that's just come out that finds that one out of every 20 independent grocery stores will go out of business within a couple years of a dollar store arriving in their area. Uh, dollar stores um, have announced more than 1,000 new stores opening every single year. And when we take a look at this study that comes out of the College of Agriculture, Health, and Natural Resources, uh, they found that when dollar stores enter markets, independent grocery stores shut down. So it's not affecting the chain stores as much as independents. And as we take a look at what's going on with the Kroger-Albertsons merger, now again being put on hold uh, from a lawsuit from the state of Washington um, AG, basically what they're talking about, in my opinion, is that the CNS deal that is going to take over 400 stores from Kroger and Albertsons is not going to be enough to satisfy. What I think is going to be the key here uh, for the FTC, as well as the different attorney generals, is being able to divide some of these stores. I think it'll be upwards of 600 stores. Um, not 400 stores, among smaller independent grocers, those stores that might have 20 to 100 stores, they're the ones that are going to pick up these extra stores, especially in California and the state of Washington. And I think that while a lot of the attention of the unions and the AGs have focused on loss of, of jobs at retail, that's not the issue. The issue for me is I don't think we're going to see any loss of jobs at retail. We'll see loss of jobs at headquarter level when we start to see consolidation in buying and merchandising, certainly in operations and distribution. Uh, that's number one. But again, for me, let's not forget that the combined buying power, if you would, 
of having over 30,000 store brands between Albertsons and Kroger, that's going to be the key. That's going to be a powerhouse and probably put them as the third largest CPG brand, if you would, in the U.S. And that's going to be the dynamic that nobody's talking about, um, that frankly, I think that the attorney generals and these lawsuits are missing the key point. Um, and that's going to be even more powerful than the retail side. Um, also, the important thing to note is with these dollar stores, keep in mind, they've got a lot less employees than an independent grocer does. They might only have two or three employees in a dollar store versus, you know, the, the scores of people that are in an independent grocer. So as these dollar stores proliferate, that's where it hurts the economy, not only for consumers and consumer choice, because of so much of the ultra-processed food that's sold in dollar stores, but frankly, that's where we're going to see a loss of jobs. So I think it's really important as the industry looks at this Kroger-Albertsons deal to look much more holistically at what's going on with dollar stores, with the CPG brands being affected by the store brand consolidation, not focused on the loss of jobs at retail, because I don't think that's going to happen nearly as much as everybody portends uh, that it's going to be. So the other thing that we're seeing with dollar stores, uh, because of what's going on there, is we're seeing a rise of co-ops. Um, and that's been fascinating for me. Um, I happened to, uh, when I was in college, I was part of the Philadelphia uh, co-op. Uh, that was my first working experience in a co-op. And the great news is um, that with this dollar store phenomenon taking place, more communities are funding dollar stores. Now, the problem is it takes a lot of people. It takes, you know, three to five years to create a co-op. Um, but if we can see that uh, channel of distribution growing, I think it helps the communities. I think it helps the assortment of products that are out there. And certainly it gives everybody much more of a, a, a good feeling of working. On Food Not Phones today, um, there's a report that comes out from an eye doctor, Ifran Jiva, who has raised concerns about the impact of excessive screen time on our kids' eyesight, pointing to the increasing need for glasses among youngsters. Um, what, what they're talking about is the digital devices, including phones, tablets, and TVs, are a contributing factor significantly to the deterioration of kids' eyesight. So, you know, certainly one solution are these blue-tinted glasses um, that a lot of people are now using as they're doing their screen time. But most important, let's go back to the premise of food, not phones, talking to each other, not looking at screens. That's what's critical more than anything else um, in today's society. Um, we, we keep on seeing more reports from a health standpoint, from a wellness standpoint of what's going on with screen time. And we really need to start paying attention to that uh, before it's too late. On today's bullseye, it looks like the cereal giant Kellogg's is focused on targeting what they're calling the Zillennial. You know, the Zillennial is a demographic cohort that sits on the cusp 
of Millennials and Generation Z. This is a group that's born between 1992 and 1998, although some like to expand the range to those born up to the year 2000 or even 2002. Now, regardless of that, it seems that this group, depending on how the years are calculated, represent between 30 to 48 million people. What's interesting to me and alluring to marketers about this group is that they're more economically secure than Generation Z. They have higher spending power than millennials. And surveys report that they have high brand loyalty and low price sensitivity. Perhaps this group is an ideal target for us to go after. No one, yet at least, has tried to attach food trends and preferences to this group. It's likely that there will be a spillover from both millennials and Generation Z's tastes and habits. But one thing is very clear. There's certainly a digital generation that will have at the top of their food phones the impacts of the environment and climate change, an attachment to social causes, and hopefully health and wellness, which is what Kellogg's new vegan brand, Eat Your Mouth Off, is hoping for. By the way, I certainly hope they didn't pay a lot of money or practically any money to a branding group to come up with this name. Eat Your Mouth Off is rolling out on grocery shelves right now, although I've checked at least a dozen different stores and I haven't been able to find it. But I did see it available online at Walmart, Kroger, and Ralph's. I haven't tasted it, obviously. And frankly, I find the package design to be amateurish and trying a bit too hard with its bold depiction and symbolism of a smiling mouth? The cereal is 100 plant-based, with 22 grams of plant-based protein, zero grams of sugars, and two grams of net carbs, or less, per 40-gram serving. Now, the chocolate flavor ingredients are soy protein isolate, pea protein isolate, canola oil, lentil protein, modified tapioca starch, cocoa processed with alkali, and then trace ingredients of oat fiber, sucralose, stevia leaf extract, natural flavors, and BHT for freshness. I just love the brilliant marketer who added the asterisk, showing a trivial amount of sugar. Is that even legal? Kellogg's is marketing this seven and a half ounce box at $8.99. And while that might seem to be priced higher than most, taking a look at the rise in price of breakfast cereals from quarter one 2022 to quarter one 2023 on Amazon, compiled by Pattern Data Science, the average price for all breakfast cereals rose 13.6%. They cite examples, again, priced on Amazon of Captain Crunch at $10.24 a box, Chex at $7.68 a box, and Cheerios at eight bucks. Their study did not compare the net weight per box. Now let's put pricing on the sidelines. The question I have is this sub-generation that clearly is an important group, which I predict will be the next marketer's dream target, aligns with the values of this brand its image, its ingredients, and its two flavors of chocolate and fruity? Hey, we're talking about adults here, not the taste buds of a six-year-old. 
we certainly need a bit more food research about zillennials. But knowing that they care strongly about the environment and social causes, I would have at least expected eat your mouth off to highlight and contain no GMO ingredients like soy and canola. The taste better be fantastic to overcome all these obstacles. I'll take bets on how big this brand might be on the shelves or how long. Might be a good idea, but this one totally misses the mark. Thanks for joining us today on Leper Report Live, and we'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. And in the meantime, don't forget to go to supermarketguru.com. Be sure to visit supermarketguru.com for the latest marketing analysis, issues, and trends. And don't forget to join us back here next Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for more.